The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 5 Amulets of Pine January 2002 We stayed at that little mini-mart later than I had expected. After introducing himself, Crown got up to go order the largest selection of hotcase food I had ever seen in my life. Pizza sticks with that weird crust, crispitos and taquitos, chicken strips, and at least two different potato products... He returned with his brimming bag, and I guess I was a little surprised when he chose the seat right next to me, seemingly with the intent of talking. So, do you hate Burning Rock? He asked, rather conversationally. I looked at Sam, hoping he might offer some kind of explanation, but he just shrugged. No, it's fine, I said. Fine, huh? People seem to kind of either love it or hate it. What, is that on a t-shirt or something? I said. Why does everybody keep saying that? Lana snagged a tater tot from Crown's bag and shrugged. I mean, it's not on a t-shirt, but it would make a good t-shirt. Crown started passing food out. I guess this was pretty common, and he already knew what people liked, because everyone treated this like it was totally normal and nobody complained. He pushed a bag of potato wedges in my direction. He even got me right. I love potato wedges. Then again, who doesn't, right? Thanks, I said, resisting the urge to glance at Sam again. I turned my attention toward Lana instead. So, how'd the rest of the game go? Yeah, we don't really talk about it before or after we play it, Sam said in between bites of burrito. You also don't talk about it during, I said. So wouldn't that mean you never talk about it? That's right, Lana grinned, just like Fight Club. I took another sip of my watery hot chocolate. This is because I jumped ship, right? I said, because I abandoned the game. That's why you won't talk about it. You're irritated with me. Lana laughed. No, I really don't care. We just don't talk about it. Stop talking about it. I resisted the urge to roll my eyes. This was dumb. This felt unnecessarily juvenile for a bunch of master students. It was like they were trying to stir up fear and drama around something boring. At least when a horror movie producer tries to drum up fear, there's usually a good story attached, right? Seriously, what's so bad about talking about it? I asked. Well, Sam replied, it becomes decidedly less fun and it's already pretty iffy in the fun department. Lana glared at him. The front door opened, and two college kids, even younger than us, stepped into the store. The guy headed straight for the counter, while the woman went back to the drink aisle and started perusing the colas. I'll be back, Crown said. I gotta talk to her. Then he eyed me warily. And don't steal my jalapeno poppers. You'll look like the type. He was right about that, too, but I just laughed and said, eh, more into potato wedges. 
Since the others were all busy snacking, I watched Crown as he went to talk to the woman in the drink aisle. It was a small store, so I was able to pick out a few words here and there. She greeted him like she knew him, tossing a smile over her shoulder as she continued to peruse the drink cabinet. I couldn't hear a lot of what they were saying, but I did catch a snippet from Crown. Just wondering what you think of the new president of the college, Crown said. I missed most of what she said in response, but when she looked back at Crown, her smile had faded and she appeared to be talking rather seriously. I caught the words, not what we're used to, slip out of her mouth. Crown talked to her for a few more minutes and I wondered why he cared so much about the president of the college. As a new student at the school, I had done exactly zero research into the school administration. Does anybody check that sort of thing out? Maybe, but I was a lot more interested in whether they offered a meal plan or movie nights, to be honest. Crown returned to the table a moment later. I nodded toward the woman who was finally making her way to the counter with some sort of soda remix. Friend of yours? I asked. She's on the student council, he said as if that answered my question somehow. I let it go. Technically, there was no reason beyond my own curiosity that I should be asking questions at all. He didn't owe an explanation just because I had questions. He didn't really seem like the type who was going to offer information freely. I think I was just going to have to ask for it, and I'm not sure how forthcoming he would be even then. I understood. I was the same way. We ate our snacks, though, to be fair, by the time I was done, they seemed to have turned into a full meal in my stomach. Then we cleaned up our trash and headed back into the windy night. Lana fell in stride with me almost as soon as we left the mini-mart. Spooky out here, right? She said, wrapping her arms around herself. She was wearing a thick wool sweater. It was deep black and matched her jeans, fading into the night. Her hair, though, her hair made up for it. It was starting to spill out from under her deep gray beanie, and I thought that it was a good idea she had hidden it for the game, She would have stood out like another light source on that beach. It's a little spooky, I agreed. The moon had gone behind the clouds and a light mist had fallen over the town. Streetlights covered Amherst Street in a peaceful glow, but the side streets... The side streets yawned back at me, nothing but gaping darkness and whole solid fears. So, what classes are you taking this quarter? Lana asked. Her question came with a hint of humor, as if she understood that her question was one of the most stereotypical things you could ask another person in a town like this. Everyone around here was so self-aware. I found it both exhausting and wonderful. I thought through my own classes, trying to remember the exact names. I'm taking intro to radio production, literary analysis, and intro to film editing, I said. I was proud to say it. Though perhaps my heart lies in literature, I like the sound of my courses. I like that they all sound like they're going somewhere. Cool, Lana said. My grandpa teaches that class, literary analysis. Cool, cool, I said. I wasn't actually sure how I felt about that. I hoped she wouldn't be constantly asking me questions about how I liked the class or anything. She shrugged. Yeah. He's 
Kind of weird, but he's a pretty good lecturer, I guess. I had to sit through a few when I was a kid. I would visit in the summers. Weird, huh? I asked. He really likes local folklore, she replied. That could be interesting. I hoped we would go over this in class. Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster are cool enough, but I've always preferred the local stuff. It's nice to hear the stories that have shaped a place. It's nice to see the world through the eyes of the people who love their home and might also see its pitfalls. Local folklore is always about the scary things that linger under the surface, the monsters that prod at the public conscience, the secrets that you can't tell outright. We can't admit the truth, so we use monsters to work around it. Crown and Sam are in that class too, right? Lana asked. I hesitated. To be honest, I thought so, but I wasn't totally sure. I hadn't really met them until the last couple days, and I sat in front of most of the other people in that class. I think so, I said. You think so? Dude, pay some attention to your surroundings, she laughed. Come on, Sam said. She didn't know to look for us, we just met. Then he added, you're right though, she is in class with us. I guess it was kind of cool that we were all there together, but typically I preferred to be in class with strangers and I wasn't into making that many school friends. It was nice to exist in that setting without expectations, without people to motion me over to their table. I didn't mind making friends in my apartment, but my goal in going to school wasn't to make friends. I wanted a degree. I wanted a chance to make my own future. Unless we were in a group project together, Making friends wasn't going to be all that helpful academically. But this is a small town, and I was going to run out of strangers pretty quick. Lana and Sam started talking about sibling stuff, and I fell back a few yards, enjoying taking my time in the dark streets. Most of the street had been impeccably landscaped. The wild trees and grass and bushes have been removed in favor of bushels of flowers and hanging baskets. The side streets are a different story, though. Back there, the trees still collect and congregate in little stands, huddled together, whispering their stories. Something in those trees caught my attention as I passed by. One stood out from the others. Its bark had been peeled back in strange gashes. I left the main road and stepped closer to the tree, running my fingers over the bark. There were deep cuts like someone had come in with a knife or a saw and sliced deep into the wet, green wood. It actually kind of looked like a giant claw mark. I had seen pictures of bear claw marks in trees before, but this one was different. For one thing, it was huge. I turned to see how far the others had wandered and found that Crown was still standing just a few yards away, possibly waiting for me. Framed in the silvery gold of the mist-muffled streetlights, he looked like a superhero of some kind emerging from the alleys. Maybe a Batman of sorts. I actually kind of like that thought. Maybe Burning Rock should have its own superhero. What do you have there? He asked. I shook my head. Uh, I don't know. Probably nothing. Crown shivered and walked back to join me. I pointed out the claw marks on the tree. Do you think that's from an animal? I asked. 
I don't know if I would say that, he replied. Could be some kind of tool or saw. He stepped up to the tree and ran his hand along the slices. The bark peeled back and flaked away as he did. After a moment, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a small digital camera. I had never seen a normal person who owned a camera that small. One of the shiny types with the wrist loop that was meant to be more portable than extremely high quality. He snapped a couple of pictures of the tree and then turned to me. You mind? He said. I was very confused by that. Did he want a picture of me now? Photographers can be kind of like that, I guess, but Crown didn't seem like the type. Hesitantly, I moved closer into the light. Can you stand in the picture for size reference? He explained. Oh, right, I said. That made more sense. I went to stand beside the tree and didn't bother to smile. What are you, 5'10"? He asked as he snapped the photo. 5'11", I replied. One of my few striking features was my height, and I didn't let people downplay that. I turned back to the tree. What do you think it is? I asked again, looking at the marks. Probably nothing. He shrugged and zipped his camera back up in his pocket. Midwinter college kid nonsense, he said. I kind of wanted to believe that. I kind of wanted to think that all the kids in this town were so bored that they had to create their own myths, their own folklore. They carve claw marks into trees instead of doing graffiti. Maybe they create their own ghosts out of the remains of their crushed dreams, too. I fell asleep quickly that night. Actually, calling it night was a little dishonest. It was definitely morning. It was six o'clock by the time I got back to my room, but... It was still dark, and to me, that counted as night. I fell into bed, not caring about the sand in my jeans and not worried about whether or not I would wake up before noon. My first class wasn't until 3 p.m., very much by design. There was no way I was going to stay up until 4 in the morning doing a radio show every night and then drag myself back to class at 8. I had a weird dream that night. There's this ocean view that I visit sometimes when I sleep. When I stand up on that bluff, I overlook the water, but there's a long fence between me and the sand. It stretches in both directions as far as I can see, beaten and battered by the wind and salt air. There, in that dream, I always see the sun sinking into the water, and I always wake up believing it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's funny because this particular view was the only time that I ever saw sunlight in my dreams. The rest of the time it was dark. In my dream, I turn and walk back toward the town. Night falls immediately, as it only can in dreams. I make my way to the old familiar bookstore where I go when I dream. I step inside and I see it and smell it and feel it in every fiber of who I am. I know the layout, I know the books on some of the shelves, and even when I'm awake, I can hear the sounds of the coffee machine squealing in the background. Tonight, though, I don't stay in the bookstore long. Instead, I take my coffee and go, letting the blue wooden door fall shut behind me, and step out onto the street. It looks a lot like Burning Rock, if I'm going to be honest. It reminds me of my first night in the town, 
where the moon was high and I could see the rock itself silhouetted against the friendly night. There's music coming from somewhere, and though I can't identify it specifically, I'm pretty sure I recognize it as notes from a theme song from some TV show. I've seen a lot of TV. I walk past an ice cream shop with a bright neon ice cream cone. It has an orange cone and a pink, green, and brown scoop of ice cream on top. There's a cherry, too. The ice cream store is located on the corner, so I cross the street, ready to start walking down the hill to the rest of the town. That's when I hear someone clear her throat. I turn quickly to peer into the woods. I'm not scared exactly, but you could definitely say that I'm startled. Hello. The voice is definitely a woman's. My imaginary friend. Hi, I say, taking a step toward the trees. Light catches on the arm of a bench. I can just barely make out the outline of a woman sitting there, both arms draped over the back of the bench, looking utterly relaxed and in control. Hey, listen, what's your name, anyway? I ask. I don't have a name. Dream logic is so weird. Well, what do I call you, then? I ask. I don't know. I'm in your head. Maybe you should tell me. Doesn't seem right, I replied. People don't usually name themselves. Well, yeah, but most people don't find themselves in need of a name at 30, 35. She doesn't answer my indirect question about her age. Instead, she leans forward on the bench and clasps her hands together. Well, how about Charlie then? She suggests. Charlie, I say. Tell me this, she says as I stand just outside of the cover of the tree, in the light and not in the shadow. Are you going to be happy in your new town? I frown. I I don't know, maybe? She nods and leans back like that was the answer she expected. We'll see, she says. Suddenly Charlie leans forward and points out at the water. What is that? She asks. Up above the ocean, there are clouds lit up from the inside. It kind of looks like moonlight, except for the fact that they're flickering, almost like some sort of lightning. At first, I don't see exactly what she's pointing at. When I look closer, though, I figure it out. There's a shape up there in those clouds. Every time the light pulses, I can see the silhouette against the purple sky. It's long, with a long neck and a long tail that splits into tentacles at the end. It's bulky, too, almost whale-like, but it snakes through the clouds with precision and grace. What a strange thing. I find myself hoping that it doesn't see me. When I finally woke up, it was almost two in the afternoon. I just hope it doesn't see me. That strange thought from my dream rushed back into my mind, and I wondered why. What was so bad about that thing seeing me? It was just a dream. I groaned, wishing I had a few more hours so that I could roll over and go back to sleep. Instead, I reached for the notebook on my nightstand. It was a very small emerald green notebook. I could probably fit the whole thing in my jeans pocket if I needed to, 
I sat there and wrote a few lines of a poem before officially getting up to start my day. October 2007. I leave the beach behind and start up toward the Crystal Market. The streets are paved with jack-o'-lanterns. Some of them are truly works of art. Some of them are pretty basic. None of that matters when you see them together, though. Because when you see them together, it's as if they make up the very heart of this town. Every fall for the last six years, they've come around again and made me feel like everything was going to be okay. I just wish that was true. After wandering around the store for a few minutes with a hand basket, I choose a frozen cherry pie and head for the checkout. I pay in cash and throw in a bag of Skittles at the last minute because I'm sad and Skittles remind me of a time where I was happy and I didn't have any emotional baggage to lug around. I start home, carrying a pie in one hand and using the others to pour Skittles straight out of the bag and into my mouth. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>